This is The Bittersweet Life. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. I'm Katie Sewell. I've been in the radio business for nearly 20 years, mostly working for public radio in the United States. In 2013, I quit my stable job and I moved to Rome for just a year. That's where this podcast begins. And if you're new, don't be afraid to start at the beginning. I'd hate for you to miss out on the adventure. That adventure might inspire you to do something crazy, like quit your stable job and move to Rome for just one year. And my co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer and author of Midnight in the Piazza. And she's also an expat who moved to Rome over a decade ago with the determination to stay whatever it took. She's also my childhood friend. I met her on the school bus in the sixth grade. I hope you like the show, and if you do, tell a friend and take the time to write us a review. And if you've listened to the show for years, consider a donation. Your financial support is huge to us. In fact, I can't think of a donation to anywhere that would be more appreciated than what it will be to us. We'll send you a handwritten thank you note. And in addition to helping us pay hosting fees and other bills, your support will help us grow the show, which is absolutely the key to this program continuing in the years to come. So if you love it, if we make your life a little better, please pay whatever you can to support the art that you enjoy. Visit thebittersweetlife.net on your desktop and click the donate button. Or tweet us at bittersweetpod and we'll send you a link. Thank you so much. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Sarah Johnson. I'm Dana Zoller. And what you might not know from all those last names is that we're sisters, but you might know that from how we sound. (laughs) Do we sound all the same, do you think? I've been told that we do. I have also been told that we do. I think Sarah sounds the most different. This is Sarah. Hi. It's because my nose is stuffed up from cat dander. Sarah's the one with allergies as well. So we are at Sister Fest. Sister Fest! 2019. (laughs) (laughs) Which sounds like it's an annual tradition, but it's actually not. We do this, what, every couple of years we try to get together. Oh, and by the way, Tiffany is away this week because of Sister Fest. (laughs) So she's not technically away. She's actually still in Rome, but she will not be joining us today. So maybe just to set a baseline... Maybe we should describe a little bit about where we sit in the family. Everybody knows about me, but let's start with you, Sarah. Okay. I am the middle daughter of three, older than Katie, younger than Dana. Anything else you want people to know about you? I am the best sister. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah did actually program herself as fave sister in my phone, which is why I can never find her phone number anymore, because I have to type in F rather than S. Where do you live and... What do you do? Uh, I live in Bozeman, Montana, and I both run a nonprofit for middle school girls and sell real estate. And Dana, tell me about you. I am the aforementioned oldest, and I am a music teacher. And where do you live? Oh, I live in Palm Desert, California, and I am married and I have two kids, age 15 and 7. No, she just turned 8. 15 and 8. <laughs> Dana's the one that has children. Is that all we want people to know prior to this? Dana also complains about being the one that's never mentioned on this program. So. <laughs> I finally got a shout out. 
when Katie mentioned she was coming to Palm Desert to visit her sister, I was like, "Woot, that's me!" <laughs> Sarah, would you say that you are mentioned a lot in the show? Yeah, well, I'm mentioned more than Dana. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about a lot. I could use a few more mentions. I'm quite awesome. Mom gets the <laughs> most mentions. Mom gets the most. And how about Dad? Uh, Dad, Dad gets mentioned maybe second or third. All I know is I'm last. <laughs> Why do you think Until that today? <laughs> Why do you think that is? I don't know. I have no idea. How would you guess? I've never been off this continent, and since this show has a theme of travel. You've never been off the continent? I've been to Canada, Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, and Venezuela, but I've never been off the North American continent. Some of those are in Central America, but Yeah. So you think that because there's a European bent to this or an international travel bent that that perhaps you're not as relevant? <laughs> perhaps, although I did go to Hawaii. I lived in Hawaii for a year, so I guess that's off the continent, still in the United States. Yeah, actually, when I describe you to people, I actually describe you in a similar manner to me because over the last however many years, five, six years, you've moved the most. You and me have both moved the most, whereas Sarah has actually stayed very stable. That's true. I have not moved. So in my private life, I talk about you as, <laughs> as if you're an adventurer just like me. And, and because every year you and your family often spend a month or two down in Mexico. That's true. So we've gone to Mexico the last two summers to study Spanish and be surrounded by people that are not like us. And it's been really awesome. And we went to Hawaii intentionally to have a more, well, I use the word international loosely, but have a more of an experience of being around people that are different than ourselves and hearing different languages and experiencing different things. But we do move around a lot. I'm not very attached to material items, and so picking up and moving is kind of fun. I would actually say you fit this podcast perfectly because you do adventure. You're kind of like, hey, should we move to Hawaii? Yeah, let's move to Hawaii. No problem. And I'd be like, wait, what? You're starting over in Hawaii? Like, you've been working so long in your career where you are. Why would you change? But you do. That's true. And you're the one that's a little bit counterintuitive because a lot of people who listen think that picking up and moving and being spur of the moment like that has a lot to do with being a single person or being unattached for some reason. And uh, you are not only not a single person, but you're a mother of two. So how does that work? I don't know. I think you just decide to do it. I always am super planny. Sounds real intelligent for this show. <laughs> I am an organized planning person and I have a child that's a special needs student. And so I'm always really careful about does where we're going have opportunities for him to continue his education in a way that works really well for him. And then my daughter is extremely social. So I know that she will always help our family make friends <laughs> wherever we move <laughs> because she will always be linked in to what everyone in the neighborhood is doing. And I think we just decide to try it out go so if those things are in place if we can live in a safe place if we can afford to live there you know if we have some job opportunity I mean, my husband was a valet for a, a chain of hotels when we were lived in hawaii uh, we went to be teachers and had teaching jobs but those didn't work out and it turns out you can make just as much as a valet in hawaii because the teacher pays so poor so we did that you know so we just sort of make it work and we plan it out make sure everyone can be educated and safe and then go from there well just like me with Derek and me moving around so much having to start over and over again moving that much costs a lot of money so would you say that any of the moves were ill-advised from your point of view uh when we left we were living in Tacoma 
Washington at the time and we owned a home that we had we thought was our dream home and we fixed it up and we got it all and when we started living in this home we just never saw each other and so like my son would be upstairs and someone would be cooking in the kitchen someone else would be downstairs in the basement watching a movie or playing a game and that's after like six months to a year we just decided this is not what we were imagining how our family would be spending time and that's when we sold the house we sold almost everything we had we had to put we could only take what would fit in a six foot by seven foot by eight foot cube and have that shipped to Hawaii. And so downsizing was huge. It would have been a much better monetary investment to have kept that house. <laughs> but Hawaii is a very expensive place to live. And we didn't take a car and we were just renting. We didn't have air conditioning either. So if I would change something next time I went to Hawaii, it would be to have a car and to be able to afford to live in a place with air conditioning. Those would be the two things. But we wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, we just rode bikes everywhere. Our family was always together. We lived in a 900-square-foot apartment. It was small. We always were around each other all the time. And ever since we've done that, that was five years ago, we have never had any interest in being in a big, tall house with multiple floors and what a lot of people would consider the American dream. We just want to be around each other and be outside. Yeah, so when I was in Rome at the beginning of this podcast, this was when Dana was in Hawaii. Why didn't you stay in Hawaii? Uh, because it was a one-year commitment for a teaching opportunity, and I had, had had actually taken a year leave of absence from my job in Seattle. And so then I returned to my job in Seattle, and our family moved back. It was only going to be for one year. Oh, it was? You weren't intending to stay? I think we were open to staying. If, if everything had aligned, if we had been maybe given job opportunities that would have enough money to stay, <laughs> then we might have stayed. Yeah. But that didn't work out that way, and we were fine with coming home. Well, so, and now you're in Palm Desert, California, which is a fairly new development. So what move does this mark for you guys in the last five years? Um, I'm not sure. Let's see. Would you like me to count live on the podcast? Live on the podcast. I don't know how many different places. You could could count like the count on Sesame Street. (laughs) One, that's one. Two, two houses. (laughs) Three, three houses. No, I think we've moved, since Hawaii, we've moved three times. So it wasn't always to a different city. Sometimes it was just different apartments. But we moved down to Palm Desert, California about six or seven months ago. And this is a permanent move. We plan to be here for quite a while. But we didn't know anyone when we moved down. And we came because maybe has been mentioned on this podcast before, certainly in the news. If you follow real estate, Seattle has become a very expensive place. And even though my husband and I were both working you know, eight to 10 hours a day at full-time teaching jobs. We couldn't even begin to afford to live in a house, to purchase a house in Seattle. We also like sunshine, which is in short supply in Seattle. So my husband started researching where is there a decent salary for teachers that also has lots of sunshine that's on the West Coast. And the two options were the Palm Desert, Palm Springs area or Las Vegas. And so we started looking for jobs and we actually started being drawn to the Palm Desert area and got jobs, and here we are. And we love it. We're really glad we came. And you're making friends. It seems fast. So you don't have the fatigue of having moved that many times. You, you're still a gung-ho. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't describe myself as gung-ho, but it's been, 
we really are happy that we came. We've moved so many times. Everyone sort of rolls their eyes in our family and where are they going to live now? But I have noticed that when we lived in Hawaii and when we lived in Palm Desert, everyone comes to visit. <laughs> so it's warm and it's sunny and there's stuff to do. So come on down to Palm Desert. Just don't move here. Okay. <laughs> I mean, my family can move here, just not the podcast listeners, because then we'll have the same affordability problem here that I was experiencing in Seattle. You own your house here, so it's okay. You want them to come and drive the prices up now. Oh, yeah, that's true. So come on down, everybody. Palm Desert. The houses are going. The real estate agent chimes in. Um, okay, and one other thing, and then we'll go to you, Sarah. Dana, I think from our family standpoint, just because of your position in the family, I feel like you have moved the most of everybody. I have moved a lot. I just don't mind moving. My general personality is things will be fine and they will all work out. And I'm competent enough to assure that my family will be taken care of. And if we're not, then we'll make another move. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't, I don't overthink it. I don't overthink how it's going to necessarily impact my career. I know that I can always find a music teaching job somewhere. And if I can't, then I won't move there. I do think that's part of it. You have a job, whereas I'm self-employed. So it does make it a little bit harder, I think, to move. Even if I want to get out of the cold of Montana, it's harder to do it because I don't just apply for jobs and go somewhere else. I'd have to start my self-employed career all over, which would drastically affect my income level. I know that that's real estate, but you have to explain that because... A lot of people think that if you can find a job where you're self-employed, that's the ticket to freedom, really. I would say that was true if you're a creative person or like a writer who could just move anywhere and take their computer. Real estate really is all about relationships. And so you have to know people in your community or have a lot of money in order to advertise in a way that gets you known to them. And so when you've spent 20 years building up your base of clients, like I don't have to advertise as much now. People just word of mouth or past clients are coming back around and buying again, or they're telling their friends they should use me. So it's less money out of my pocket to make money. Whereas if you're brand new in a new place, you have to kind of compete with the people who they already know. Well, and Sarah and I used to have a debate that is now sort of coming full circle about which was superior, the small town or the big city. And when I was a younger person, I used to sort of believe that if you lived in a small town, you were really just wasting your life. No offense to everybody, but I just felt like, how can you live in a place, or there, at least from the outside, there seems to be no trafficking of ideas, that it's a very small uh, community that sort of, I don't know. I should let you describe the community that you were living in in your 20s, maybe, and then you can see why I would have had this opinion, I guess. Yeah, I lived in Ennis, Montana until recently when I moved to Bozeman. So Ennis is a town of about a thousand people, maybe 1200 people now, something like that. It's really well known for fly fishing and it's just outside Yellowstone Park. So in the summer, there's about three times as many people that live there, but still very small and moving there from the cities we lived in as kids was certainly a big change. There's no question. And everybody does sort of think the same. (laughs) I guess that would, I don't know if they actually all think the same, but it is very, I mean, you do life together. The community is so small that the same thing, one thing happens in the community, it affects everybody in the community. So you tend to kind of do life together more, which is charming in a lot of ways, but it does lead to kind of some similarities in thought and behavior. Now, also though, when you live in a seasonal place, we do have influx of ideas and people once a year. So whenever it started feeling somewhat claustrophobic to me, 
I would either travel, get out of Venice and go visit family or travel to another place in the world or count the months till summer when other people would be coming in with their thoughts and beliefs and ways of life. Yeah, and I, well, I feel like it was even smaller when you moved there, like 800 yeah, people or something like that. So, I mean, it's fair to say that the big city girl from Seattle moving to Ennis, Montana, people were up in your business. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually, my very first apartment there was right on Main Street above the city hall. And I was thinking, how convenient. I can just walk to work. You know, at the time I was a teacher, I would just walk across the street to the school. It was perfect. It was cheap. And it was big. So I got a massive apartment for 400 bucks. Yay. But I never really thought about, like, I'd go out and meet people and be like, oh, yeah, I saw so-and-so's car was at your place last night. And I'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you do know I live above a public building. A lot of people park downstairs. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean they're at my house. <laughs> but how do you know where I live? <laughs> like, that part was weird. <laughs> and why do you care what I'm doing? Those were the two things I really had to adjust to, for sure. And if you laid on the floor of your apartment and listened really closely, could you hear the city council talking about you? <laughs> I couldn't hear what they were saying. I actually also, at the time, the uh, fire department was downstairs, so I was often woken up by the sirens. That part I heard. Okay, so that's a little bit strange, but why would you have moved to such a place? Why would you go from Seattle, which is a, hundreds of thousands of people, to a town of 800, now swelled in 15 or 20 years to 1,200? That's a good question. I actually moved there not intending to stay. I thought I was just going to go for a summer vacation again. I was a teacher, so I had my summer off. I always liked Montana. I thought it was pretty when we were driving from Brainerd to Seattle when Dad was thinking about taking that job. I just remember thinking it was so beautiful there, so I wanted to live there once. I think I stayed because, I don't know, there is kind of a really calming sense of community that I think can be sometimes hard to find in a city. I think you two actually have struggled making friends in your adult life, and that's a lot easier in a small community. Or at least maybe you get more practice at it. I think you have to learn to be able to live with all different kinds of people because you're just always, everybody's always together. But I also never really fit in in the city. I don't like the energy of a city. I'm very introverted and quiet. I like having 12 acres and quiet space and being, I don't know, friends with the birds <laughs> instead. <laughs> Tiffany would argue that that's what I'm like too. Yeah, I always found it really like restful for my soul. My soul was at peace there. I, I mean, I don't really know any other way to explain it. I feel like there was a, it was safe. You knew the people, you were kind of living life together. So there was this sense of community and just peacefulness about it, I think. But that doesn't mean it was all sunshine and roses. You know, like I said, the claustrophobia of small town or the lack of diversity. Montana's not a very diverse state in any way, shape or form. And that was way different for me when I moved there. So, you know, I travel about every six weeks somewhere, I bet on average, since I moved there. What's also interesting is I, you said that Ennis, and now you live in Bozeman, which is slightly bigger, but Ennis, the one that drew you to Montana, is a town that's known for fly fishing. And... I can't think of a place that has less to do with any of your interests than a, a fly fishing community or like a hunting community. That just doesn't really seem like you would walk in there and think, these are my people. Yeah, no, that's true. I am not in any way, shape or form designed to be in Montana. <laughs> I am not, <laughs> I'm not an outdoor girl. I don't like... I mean, you're not really into recycling. So. Yeah, that's true. That's also true. <laughs> so... 
Uh, yeah, I finally fly fished just like a few summers ago. I caught my first fish and it was, I like to be on the river, but I just never really was interested in fishing, hunting, snowmobiling, skiing. None of those things <laughs> do I do. I do hiking. I horseback ride occasionally, but it's pretty rare. So in listening to the stories of the three daughters, one would think that we were sort of molded in some way to move around a lot or to travel a lot, which has certainly not been except in recent years, how I would have identified myself at all. So do you think that there was something that our parents did that molded us to want to move around or to be more capable of moving around? I would say two things. I think, I don't think they actually went out of their way to do it, but I think because we moved, you learn that you can reestablish community and make new friends and it'll be okay. And so I don't think we were afraid to do it. And then we never lived close to their family either we would see them we would travel to see them so i think we got used to you don't all have to live in the same place if you want to go somewhere else you can because that was how mom and dad did life with their families i think those two things contributed dana those things are true i agree with both of those i also had the thought that i know that for me one of the compelling reasons to continue to move is driven by an interest in getting new ideas and being around people that are different from me. A lot of people feel most comfortable when they're with people who are similar to them. And I'm also someone who likes to be around people who are similar to me or teachers or musicians and things like that. But I also, I think it was eye-opening when we moved to Seattle, which was the biggest city that we had lived in since we, since I was, you know, three years old or something, how vibrant different ideas and different people and challenging the way that you're always thinking or what it's like to be in the minority is always, you know, something that I want to pass on to my children. I don't want them to grow up necessarily always surrounded by people that look like them or think like them. And so we are intentional about how we spend our time and where we're living and where we travel to change it up, to mix it up. And I saw mom and dad valuing different kinds of people, even within a town that kind of looks like it's all the same we always had a constant flow of different kinds of thoughts and thinking and people within our house and places that we traveled. So I think I must have picked up on that and certainly a value that I hold now. Do you think that we all feel more comfortable living away from each other? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) Who wants to take that one on? Well, I'll just say Katie and I lived in the same town, Seattle, for quite a number of years probably six or seven I mean I don't know and we hardly ever saw each other you think oh of course I mean we live in the same town we're going to see each other but we didn't live like the commute to see each other was pretty much just like a plane ride (laughs) to a two-hour destination no I wasn't quite that far but so we saw each other for main things like when my kids were born or whatever we would get together but or when I came to town when someone else from out, you know, that didn't live there came to town, we would all get together. But I would say that we're a lot more, now that we don't live in the same city, we're way more intentional about the time we have together, like establishing Sister Fest, making sure none of us are doing work while we're together. We make intentional time. We went on a little overnight trip so that I wasn't with my kids, you know, so I couldn't be interrupted and things like that. And I find that really, we actually make the most of our time together. And I think that's because we're not near each other. We like to visit each other though. Yeah, sir. Yeah, I would agree with that. I've always lived far apart from everybody. You guys have always lived near each other, but I've never lived near anybody. I do think I sometimes get more quality time because when I come to town, 
people stop what they're doing <laughs> to hang out with me because you don't see me very often. I actually think I end up with more time, kind of like Dana was saying, than if we lived together. I don't know if we'd see each other as much. And if we did, it would be hurried and we'd all be busy working. I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily intended to move away. I just think none of you like living in the places I like to live. So <laughs> the chances of everybody moving where I want to go seem pretty small. <laughs> well, I mean, you can pick somewhere other than Montana. I could, but it would have to have like a similar feel to Montana. It would have to have open space and restful places. And you guys are all pretty, although the older you get, I do think the more you're coming around to my way. <laughs> oh, yeah, This goes back to the country mouse, city mouse thing, because I do find that in this year that Derek and I have lived in San Francisco. San Francisco is an amazing place, but I definitely feel like I would feel differently about it if I was in my 20s. And in my 40s, where it's like, it feels tiring to try to restart my career some days, you know, where you're like, oh, we're doing this again. The energy of the city doesn't match the energy of where I'm at in my mental space, if that makes sense. It, it is that desire for more open spaces and more, more room. And there is a fatigue of living on top of people which is what happens in the city in cities in general you yeah. know sharing another subdivided house with another family or, or those kind of things do get fatiguing after a while yeah I couldn't do it that's why I left well and I think I've always been super because I'm introverted and really like I need the quiet to recharge just the way I'm wired it's difficult for me to recharge in cities that's why I have to visit them instead of living in them I think I'm super sensitive to the energies just of people, individual people too, like really anxious people wear me out because I think I'm super sensitive to their vibe and cities just seem like really anxious, anxious people. <laughs> like the energy of the city is too much for me. And we're going to leave it there for now, leaving the country and the city discussion behind, but not leaving the discussion behind between me and my sisters, Dana Zoller and Sarah Johnson. Next week, we will tackle the logistics of how, as a parent, Dana actually moves her children to places she's never been, especially when one of her kids is special needs. And Sarah will also raise the question and analyze whether or not Dana and I have the ability to make new friends as adults, particularly me, who has a tendency to hang out with people like my co-host Tiffany, who I've known since the sixth grade. That and more next week on the show. And until then, if you love the show, support it. Tell your friends about it. Write about it on social media. Tag us in it so we know we're at The Bittersweet Life on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter at BittersweetPod. We want to hear from you and we want to grow this community. So thank you for spreading the word if you love the show. Take the time to donate. Take the time to reach out and say hello. And until next week, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Thank you.